We talk, let's do the text first. I want to do the text first that Laura's given me. It's about prayer and faith. It's in our long, year-long sequence on aspects of faith. And the text will come on screen. Maybe. If not, I have to read it. I better find it, hadn't I? Mark 11. <laughs> Tell me, Paul, is it coming or not? Is it... Is it I know you're trying. <laughs> there you go. Cool, sweet. Uh, I'm using slides this morning for two reasons. The public reason is because some of you are visual learners, and so you like to have things to look at rather than me. The main reason is to keep me on task, <laughs> so I can't go too far offline. This is the text. Jesus answered, truly, oh, hello, what's going on right there? He didn't do truly for. Truly I, the F is in. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I find, um, if I'm honest, I find this text difficult and challenging. And and uh, there's many reasons for that, um, uh, but particularly because that really isn't my experience, to be honest. And I want you know it's easy to be hypocritical and stand and say things up here, but I want to be honest and clear. That isn't my experience. I have never moved mountains. I mean, I, I, sometimes I thought it'd be quite nice. I love mountains, and it'd be quite nice to have Scorfell outside in Amersham, really, because it would save all that driving up the mo that tedious six hours up the motorway. Yeah. Maybe I could move it and then move it back, you know. But joke, joking aside, my prayer life, I do pray. Amen. Yeah, who prays? Put your hands up, good. <sighs> um, but actually, I don't find that everything, what does it say? Whatever you ask for in prayer will be done for you. There are people who are ill at the moment in this church who I've prayed for pretty reliably and regularly, actually. And they're still ill. Bless you, die. Someone was healed last week, and you know, last week Laurie said about healing's the same. I feel the same about healing, to be honest, because Laurie said last week, and you can't argue. Can God heal? Yes. Does God want to heal? Yes. But doesn't always. And for me personally, I'm being honest here. Do you, do you get this? It's like I don't want to do with this text. I want to start off. Just want to reassure, reaffirm, because I don't want this to be in any way a thing that makes us feel guilty and useless and rubbish, okay? Um, and it's not, it shouldn't be. It's not going to end there. But when I first look at the text, it does make me feel a bit useless and rubbish. Who's, who's with me on this or not? Yeah, okay. So next slide. I just want to say, next slide, maybe, my, there we go. just want to say we're all trying to follow Jesus. Jesus was speaking in Mark 11 to disciples. Disciples are those who follow Jesus. And the way Jesus modeled this, he chose these 12 people and some women as well, actually. They're not so much talked about, a group that followed him. And this group followed him round for, th you know, three years of ministry. They tried to follow, they physically followed Jesus, all right? And, and not, I mean, spiritually as well, but they actually literally were his disciples following him round and trying to catch and understand what was going on. And one of the reassuring things is they were not perfect by any means at all. And we're all disciples. We're here this morning because we're trying to follow Jesus. Amen. We're here to try to follow Jesus. And that is, that's the sort of, I don't know, that's the 
There's a, I was at Marcus um, Van, what's his face, his um, baptism two weeks ago. Van Rest, sorry, Joy. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm not good with names. Um, <laughs> Van Pest. <laughs> Let's not go there. Anyway, so, um, uh, and the bloke there said, and I thought it was quite good actually, he said, he said, you know, becoming a Christian, there's three things. What time you do, you choose to follow Jesus. And only you can do that. Something God does, he forgives you and puts his Holy Spirit in your life. Only God can do that. And then something the church does, we baptise you to make, bring you to fellowship. I thought it was quite cool, actually, that. Not heard that before. In that, in that sort of clear way. We've done the first thing, agreed? We've chosen to follow Jesus. And on the basis of that, God has done the second thing. He loves us. He's forgiven us. He's put his Holy Spirit in us. This morning, that is a secure thing. It doesn't matter how successful we are at various bits. Our standing as Jesus followers, as disciples of Jesus, as Christians, depends on what God's done and our accepting of it. Amen? It's not like a sort of test, you know, where you get 9 out of 10 or whatever, and you've got to get 10 out of 10. I want to affirm that first of all. I want to make that absolutely clear that that's where we stand this morning, where we come from. Right? And... Well, I want to look at the text. Back to the text. That's the third slide, but it looks like the first slide. And nothing, nothing, it was a good hit when you've got two slides exactly the same. Saves time in prep. So, he says, truly, I thought they might have edited that, but I wasn't looking. Tell you that if this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea, does not doubt in their hearts. What they say will happen, it'll be done for them. First thing to say is, the context here is slightly bizarre as well. The context of this is an incident where Jesus was walking to the temple, and they're near Jerusalem, where Mark tells this story, for the, near that last sort of week of Jesus' life. And on the way to Jerusalem, there's been a fig tree, and the fig tree had no figs on it. And Jesus curses it and says, may you never give figs to anybody else ever again. It's the only really destructive thing ever, Jesus ever does in terms of miracles. And the next day... The, they walk past it, and the thing's withered, because it's Jesus said it. And Peter says, whoa, look, Jesus, the fig tree you curse is withered. And that's where this comes from. Now, the, the, uh, there's no doubt the thing about the fig tree is symbolic of Israel, because the fig tree is an image of Israel in the Old Testament. And Jesus does that miracle as a sort of acted out parable, saying, look, I've come to Jerusalem as the Messiah, as the Christ, as, and I look for fruit from the people of Israel, no fruit. And therefore, I think it's a, you know, it's a parable acted out. Make sense? But it's a, re it's a physical thing. And a rather bizarre thing, really. But nonetheless, the disciples are really impressed by the fact Jesus has the power to say something to a fig tree. I mean, you know, <laughs> fig trees, and I don't... If you go around talking to fig trees, people lock you up, okay? Do not go talking to fig trees. What are you laughing at? Do you talk to fig trees, Fred? Does he? Oh. <laughs> Do not talk to fig trees. They, and, but Jesus does it, right? And the disciples are impressed by that. And they get this thing. And Jesus says, that's where Jesus, the teaching comes from. Jesus says, look, nothing is impossible. Moving the mountain is a metaphor, a figure of speech. Um, last week, we went to... Kat's just gone out with my grandson. I love my grandson. He's so cute. Went away last week, and uh, we went, picture, 
I think we're saying, oh, about me, there's, there's, a, there's Zeke in his penguin suit. Uh, and, uh, we, we, and we went away, and we climbed some, well, they weren't really mountains, they were nearly mountains. They're the nearest you can get in Derbyshire, they were hills. But that's a trig point. Who knows what a trig point is? You know, they have numbers on the bottom. They have a number here. This, that's, that's actually the mark there. People think that's a trig point. No, that's the trig point. That little thing down there, it's got a number on it. You put it in your database, you can find exactly where it is and the height. They're so cool. Anyway, uh, I, you don't need to pray, by the way, that I don't completely... I mean, he's got no option, really, Zeke, apart from climbing mountains. <laughs> he's only three months and he's been up something already. I'm going to make a list for him of his trig points he's done in his life. Um... It's a metaphor. On the way back, I was in the car, I was talking to Kat about, we we're talking about the political situation. By the way, we've got a new Prime Minister this morning, apparently. Oh no, he's Chancellor, although he seems to be in charge. Uh, <laughs> um, and I was saying how there's no way the government will fall, because for the government to fall, there's got to be a motion of no confidence, and Conservative MPs are not going to vote for a motion of no confidence, are they? Are they? Because they'll lose their seats. Um, and I said to Kat in the car, I said, it's like turkeys voting for Christmas. <laughs> now, I've, that's an old, I know that phrase. Who knows that phrase? Yeah, Kat had never heard it, bless her, because she lives in the States for 10 years. And you know what the Americans are like? They've got a funny language that's not completely unrelated to English, but it's not English. And, 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 she, and she said, that's weird. What's that? And then she laughed at it quite a lot. It's a metaphor. It's a figure of speech. Turkeys don't actually vote. When you look at our political system, sometimes you think they do. <laughs> Indeed, I think it was Churchill who said, the biggest argument against democracy is a five-minute chat with the average voter. <laughs> Get off the politics quick, Chris, before you put yourself in a bad place. Turkey's voting for Christmas is a metaphor. It's not a real thing. It's a figure of speech. Is it metaphor? Is that right? <sighs> Having a PhD in English to the front row is very scary, you know. <laughs> but it is. And, that, and the mountain moving is a figure of speech. Anything, okay? It's used in Isaiah 43. In fact, Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians 13. If I have faith so as to move mountains but have not love, I am nothing a clanging gong. It's a metaphor of something absolutely impossible. Do you get I don't think Jesus really was talking about moving mountains, though God could. There's no limit on God's power. He just means it's a metaphor, a figure of speech. And that's the trouble is that if it's not a regular one for us, it, we, tend to take it, we tend to take it too literally. Turkeys do not vote. Mountains necessarily, don't necessarily move. I think God's put them where he wants them. But anything is possible. Now, this same sort of teaching and this same sort of phraseology comes in other places too. Next slide. I think... We'll look at, we'll look at some of them, okay? I'm going to look at three or four of them. Because one of the things you learn about Scripture is it's always tricky taking one verse by itself, yeah? All right? You, you need to look. And there's a whole range. So there's, there's, I've gone for hours here, but you don't want that, really. So Matthew 17. Jesus, Jesus speaks again. Because you have no, so little faith, he said. The disciples again talking to him. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, that's also a very good speech, isn't it? Faith is not seeds, it's not mustard seeds, right? I don't like mustard. Um, is that the same as mustard? Does anyone know? Is the yellow muck you get on burgers the same as this mustard? Okay, well, um, 
far as I'm concerned, I wish they weren't there at all. But there we go. Uh, you can say to this mountain, move from here, and it will move. Nothing impossible for you, metaphor again. There's two figures of speech there. Mustard seeds, because they're very, very small. They were, it's again, it's a colloquial saying that apparently was common in Jesus' time. Like moving mountains, was anything impossible? Mustard seeds are very, very small. And this context is, anyone know? The previous context, the weird thing about the fig tree, this context is, Jesus has been in some teaching. Some bloke came whose son, actually, where's Richard? Where's Richard? Yeah. No, 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 Richard, um, that anguish, where's he? Oh, there you are. You should know this, because you were here, you, you were on. Can, I, can we just worship Richard for a moment? This is his third service this morning. Big up, big up. That's, that's attendance for you. But I, I did this this morning, didn't I? Well, the context is, lad, thank you, that's the one. Someone, they bring this, boy's got a demon possession. They bring him to the disciples. The disciples try to heal him, do the, you know, try and send this demon out, and they fail. I like that sort of teaching. This comes out of the context, the disciples failing to exercise the authority they have in Jesus. And the dad brings me to Jesus and says, Look, I tried, your disciples tried, but they failed. And Jesus says, oh, my word. Okay, and he deals with it. Heals the boy. And then he says this. When they say, the disciples say again, whoa, why couldn't we do it? Why could we not order out this demon, but you could? Jesus says, because of your little faith. Right? If I tell you if I had a faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move. And the point here is that it's not the size of your faith. It's not the depth of your faith. It's not the amplitude of your faith. It's not the capacity you have for faith. It's do you have faith. It's really either faith or unfaith. Do you have faith in Jesus doing stuff? Or are you currently living in a place of not faith? It's a slide later. I'll say it now, though. Doubt is about, is the word doubt comes from having two minds. It comes from it's the word, you know, two do I go this way or do I go that way? Do I trust Jesus or do I trust myself? Do I try and cast out the demon entirely in Jesus' authority? Sorry, that's Jesus. Or do I do it in my experience and power? Yeah? And there's this phrase, O ye of little faith, or in I be so little faith. Uh, next slide. <clears throat> We're going to chase that a second. The phrase of little faith comes from a Greek word, Oligopistos. You knew that, didn't you? And, and the commentators say it denotes rather unbelief than, than inadequate belief, right? Yep. And I'm going to look at three, I think. Next slide will do. We'll do this some fairly quickly. I'm assuming you know the context here. By all means, take notes and go and read these passages yourself, okay? Never trust preachers. <laughs> Matthew 6.30. You of little faith, it's the same word, same phrase, same Greek word. Jesus has been talking about, uh, teaching about, look at the fields, look at the flowers, how well they're clothed. Why are you worrying about what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat? He's been talking about God's provision, right? And, and he says, why do you worry about these things? Because your heavenly Father knows what you need. Oh, ye of little faith. Will he not more clothe you? You of little faith. goes on, by the way, to say that thing which 
Every time I read it, I think, oh, my word, you actually meant that. He says, give no thought for tomorrow. What you sleep, what you wear. Just think about that. I don't know if we've ever, ever seen anyone who's lived that place like Jesus did, where you live entirely from Father's current presence and haven't made a plan about what dinner tomorrow is or where the pension's coming from. But he says this in terms of you've got to learn to trust God. All right? It's, It's a matter of whether your confidence is in what God does or whether it's in what you can do by going to Next or wherever you shop. In my case, second-hand shops usually, but as you can tell. Uh, Matthew 14, 31. Immediately, well, Jesus raised his hand. Do you know where this come from? Where's the context here? Peter in the boat. Okay, Jesus walks on the water. Um, and uh, Peter says, can I do it too, please? I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit here, by the way. And Jesus says, yeah, sure. And Jesus gets out, Peter gets out of the boat. Bless him for doing that. And then it says he saw the waves in the storm, and ooh, he starts to sink. And Jesus grabs him and says, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Why do you have two minds? Why are you in two minds about whether Jesus' power is sufficient for walking on the water stuff, or whether it's a pretty bad storm and you're going to sink and die? I mean, I, I, I am totally with Peter when it comes to that sort of thing, I must admit. It's scary, storms and stuff. And the last one I've picked up, same word again, by the way, oligopathos, the little faith. That's what it means. Look at what it means. It means situations where you can see the material stuff, the the physical stuff, and then you can see what Jesus is sort of doing, and it's a choice which way I go. Do I trust my instincts and everything I've learned about the way gravity and water and death is, or do I trust Jesus? Yeah? It's about whether you, where your confidence is, where your faith is. And it's out of that place that prayer comes that is going to result in immediately everything's done for you. Move mountains. Last one. I've got here. Six, where's that from? No, no, back. No, 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 back, back, back. I've got to think where it comes from. You have little faith. Why are you talking? Oh, I know. Yes. Yes, this is like one of the, one of the feeding things. And the way the gospel record it, there are two feeding miracles, right? And the second time... Jesus says to his disciples, who are wondering what we're going to, you know, he says, why are you talking amongst yourself, having no bread? Do you remember? You've seen what God can do in terms of feeding miracles. Remember the previous time? A year of little faith. It's not the size of their faith. It's the fact they have decided to think, oh, I can see the problem. Oh, it's a huge problem. Not, I can trust God. Do you get this? Have I said enough here? Because I can go on longer if you want. But I don't think I want to go on very long. And the next few things I think summarize where I think this lands us. Let's just go through them so I don't go too far off text. Go. Allowing material facts to weigh more heavily in the power of Jesus. I have to confess that phrase comes from someone else. But I thought it's quite quite right. That's the place where we don't, where we have little faith, where Jesus says to us, oh, you have little faith, where the material facts weigh more heavily than the power and the presence of Jesus. Now, look, let's be honest about this. Again, being honest, that's where I am most of the time, to be honest. To be honest, I'm always 
planning material stuff, not living in just the power of Jesus. And we're disciples, remember? We're trying to follow. Come on, we're trying to follow. Yeah, and he loves us and he's forgiven us, yeah? And we're not perfect. Oh, we will be one day. It will happen. And we have our victories and we're times we do. Amen. And there are times when we allow the material facts to weigh more heavily in the power of Jesus. Next slide. Doubt needs to be divided in two. Faith here is talking about single-minded devotion to Jesus. A year of little faith means you've got to look at Jesus. You've got to trust what he says. And in those situations, we have that authority, that place where we can just see what God's doing and be there doing it. And that's where prayer becomes just a natural outflowing. And Jesus says, without having to think about it or do any big thing, die, die fig tree or come to me on the water or demon out of the boy. And for Jesus, because he lives permanently in that place, trusting God, not seeing the physical things, I think genuinely living in the moment and not worrying about tomorrow, as he tells his disciples not to, because he so clearly sees what God's doing. To him, it's just like, say it happens, say it happens. Right? Next one. I think this is true, actually, in the Gospels as a whole, actually. Faith in Matthew, certainly, ones we looked at, is more about practical trust in Jesus and less about intellectual acceptance. Some of us need to hear this. For some of us, faith is an intellectual exercise. Do I believe this? Can I work it out? Can I get my head around it? We're not talking about faith in quantum physics here. Oh dear, had to get that in once. We're talking about practical trusting in Jesus. The walking on the water thing. The giving the, the loaves to the, the people. The casting out the demon. It's more about practical trust in Jesus and less about intellectual acceptance. I need to hear that because that's where I often am, I have to say. I like thinking. Last one. And so, I think the prayer that comes from faith that leans on Jesus alone, that's where we want to be. Prayer then comes out of a place of faith. This talk is about, thank you, Laurie, prayer and faith, faith and prayer. And that's the faith that Jesus says moves mountains. Metaphorically, whatever can happen. There's no limit on God's power, amen. The thing is, are we in a place of being sufficiently dependent on Jesus that all we want to do and see is what he wants to do and see, and out of that, it just flows out? Would you want to stand with me if you could? Do you want to come back? Joe, where's Joe? Where's me? Where's, me? where's the worship? Am I, am I handing to you or to Joe? Is that right? Yeah. Just take a moment, let's just take a moment, let some of those things land. We're going to respond in a second in worship, and I'm sure the same is true. You can come around the front if you want. Now you won't be embarrassed by your young people watching you. But let's take a moment and just be quietly in God's presence. And I say this morning, I felt it's quite strongly before the service. Some of us basically just need God to hug us and say, I love you. There's something we want to say sorry for, fine. But there's particular areas we're aware of. The Holy Spirit has just said, that's a place where you could trust me more. Just recognize it. 
Say sorry. Just do it gently. But some of us just, like, just need to be encouraged by God's love for us. The fact we are disciples. He loves the fact Peter gets out of the boat, even though Peter fails. He loves the fact the disciples tried to sort the demon out, but failed. And I think for most of us, it's a place of reaffirming. Lord Jesus, we love you. We want to follow you in everything we do. We want to be walking open-eyed. Lord, it's not simple and straightforward. And often our thinking gets really confused and in a mess. But Lord, help us just to simply follow you. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. Disciples came to Jesus in prayer, in private, and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Lord, help us to be a, a people that live in that space. We worship you, God. We thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us, for your love, your forgiveness, and your presence here this morning by your spirit. Bless you, Jesus. Amen.